You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series, Bojack Horseman. I'm the socially distanced Michael Hamflit. And I'm a socially distanced Adam Nicholas. And Michael, you can call me Ace of Base because all that I want is another one of these babies, my friend. <laughs> Good. You can also, as a duo, call us the front of the plane because we are all business to begin with. You can follow this podcast on Twitter or Instagram at podcast horseman please do send us all of your favorite things from the show give us a like give us a follow just talk yourself horse about talking horse but do it on social media instead and if you would like to further that you can follow either of your hosts on there too you can follow me uh, on twitter or instagram at it's adam nicholas or you can follow michael hamflet at michael hamflet and adam nicholas i saw the sign and it opened up my eyes i saw the sign and that sign said subscribe on apple podcast to podcast yeah, horseman did. You can also follow on Spotify, you can listen on Amazon Music, you can listen through Acast, pretty much anywhere that does podcasts, they do Podcast Horsemen, and why would they not? Also, if you prefer to listen online, you can go to the app Podcast Horseman Twitter account, where you'll see that podcast uploaded every Friday, neat and tidy within the tweet, uh, all the details are going to be there, and we would love you to leave feedback and reviews, every podcast you ever listen to begs, so we're no different. Five star reviews get us up the charts, they get more people hearing about us, more people seeing us in the searches, basically more people talking themselves horse about the talking horse. We would love leave a five star review and we've got a little incentive leave us a review leave us five stars you can say anything you want it can be nasty it can be nice and you have a good chance of getting read out at the end of the show and getting your very own star on our hollywood talk of fame take a look at our instagram to go back through and see what some of them lovely stars as made by nicholas looks like and we'll be doing another one of them at the end of this episode too yes we will and if you were going to check those stars out you'll probably have to scroll back a little bit it's been a while since <laughs> we've actually done them i know i know this is becoming a regular feature. I promise you they'll be done <laughs> at some point. But I figure at this point, it seems daft to keep promising you an actual date. Because one of us, Michael, is a stupid piece of shit. <laughs> and it just so happens to be me, as well as the title of this week's mm. episode <clears throat> two. This is season four. This is episode six. It's a one we were both looking forward to, to say the least, mm-hmm. but also equally probably dreading somewhere as well stupid piece of shit surrounded by family bojack spirals in the self-loathing princess carolyn and rudabega rubitowitz plan courtney and todd's sham wedding michael a lot to break down here and 
How are you feeling before we get into this? Having just watched this, are you are you doing all right there? Piece of shit. <laughs> Stupid piece of shit. <laughs> That's how I'm feeling, Nicholas. And they're not my words. They're the words of the voice in Bojack Horseman's head. Because that's how this episode starts. I've just realised as well, this whole episode is going to take ages to edit because we're going to have said <laughs> stupid piece of shit so many times. <laughs> Get ready for some more because that voice continues. You're a real stupid piece of shit. Well, I know I'm a piece of shit. That at least makes me better than the pieces of shit that don't know they're pieces of shit. So yes, these are the internal thoughts of Bojack Horseman. I should point out, still lying in bed. We are led to believe that he has just woke up and this is how his day begins. His head has not yet left the pillow, but it does. It carries on. Breakfast. I don't know breakfast. Shut up. Oh, Jack Horseman is in his bathroom, necking some pills. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Get breakfast, you stupid fat ass. Again, his mouth has not opened. We are hearing his thoughts. He, uh, he sits at his dining table eating cookies for breakfast, berating himself in a monologue. Again, going for him with every single bite. It's like a toxic train of thought, but it's broken up ever so briefly by Hollyhock and Beatrice, who come into shop uh, along with Tina, Beatrice's care bear, and uh, ask to borrow his car to get milk for the baby. Bojack asks what baby, but then gets lost in his own head again. And it's this point that we hear that voice, and we're accompanied now with the voice with some music. And with that voice and with that music, we get the animation of what's going on in Bojack's head. He continues to say, stupid piece of shit and the like, but it is played through these sketchy drawings, these sort of almost like classroom doodles of Bojack and the other characters in his life and the other things he's talking about. I'm not going to recap every single one. I know you've got some details on some, but it's a feature from this point going forward. Whenever we hear that voice, we tend to see something that goes along with it. Uh, it's Bojack in this case, debating through the pros and cons of Hollyhock borrowing his car to go and get the milk. Uh, he thinks that she's going to get a grubby hands everywhere. Quote, She's not grubby. She's your daughter, you piece of garbage. You're a piece of garbage, a real shitty piece of garbage. He then realises that if Hollyhock uh, goes to get the milk, it's going to leave him alone with Beatrice. But then if he goes, Beatrice is going to poison Hollyhock against him. He mutters some sort of non-answer, taking him back into that dark mind palace. It's a mind prison, isn't it? It's not a mind palace at this point. Trapped in those thoughts where he just berates himself again before deciding to go for the milk himself. On the way to get the milk, he again obsesses over what's happening back at home. Quote, what are they talking about right now? Probably you and what a dumb piece of trash you are, you fat sack of idiot. Why don't you go do the world a favour and swerve into oncoming traffic? No, you don't get to die young. Only the greats die young. Oh, now you think you're young all of a sudden. At this point, he's pulled up uh, at Bellican's bar, not at the shop for milk. One drink, his voice says to himself, hard cut till later that night. And a drunk Bojack Horseman stumbles out of the Bellicans bar, gets lost in yet another thought track, this time about Brooke Shields' sitcom, Suddenly Susan. Uh, that was a show that was a nightly sitcom that nobody cares about now. His words, not ours. We're not, we're not a sort of throwing shade at the Suddenly Susan podcast. Uh, but it gives him <laughs> like an existential crisis because he suddenly puts himself in the place of, indeed, Brooke Shields in Suddenly Susan. Uh he stops to try and fail to sober himself up for the drive home and he crashes into the two parked cars that are in the Bellicans parking lot as he leaves. Uh, he makes it back uh, somehow, which we don't see, but he's sort of shambling with his keys at the front door. Um, and again, his head steps in. Idiot. What do you do all day, you piece of shit? That's a day you'll never get back. You're a real piece of shit. But that piece of shit gets up by Hollyhock, who opens the door 
uh, asks where he's been all day and if he's gotten the milk. After Bojack's one long verbal, uh, we hit the stupid piece of shit credits. <laughs> I need a minute, mate. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, uh, no, I also need a minute. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. Uh, this was, from the second this episode comes on, you understand these animations are going to be a, f- a frequent occurrence in this episode. Mm. And I remember the first time I watched it and was immediately struck by just how impactful they were. Like, the way they do them here is, the, you already mentioned the sketchy kind of drawing, the black, ske- thick black line sketchy mm. drawing that it's constantly moving, it's loose. It's, it, it's hard to even explain it. it. It's the way they do it that makes it such a perfect kind of representation for how loose and fluid these thoughts are in his head, mm. along with the multicolour backgrounds that they drop on there with all sorts of different textures on. Classic uh, Lisa Hannibal sort of textures, as you can imagine. But just, it, it's it's like a million times you may have thought of what this might look like. Like, I've heard people talk about when a film is adapted of one of their favourite books and has somehow man- magically managed to perfectly yeah. illustrate how that looks in cinema or whatever it may be. And I'm not saying I th- I'd ever thought about this for this p- specific thing, but it's how I could very much imagine it looking inside mm. somebody's head. I mean, it's absolutely harsh and horrible and blunt as hell, but that's the whole point, isn't it? The sketches are like quite jagged, and it's all in line with how like they're sharp enough to pierce you, the corners, the edges, compared to obviously the stunning art- artwork and animation of Bojack Horseman. This is very different. And it's obviously all in line with basically just him abusing himself constantly. Like the the screensaver in his brain is constantly abusing him. And to lean on what you've just said about the comparison, uh, when a film like visualizes a book character in a way that every reader did, mm. um, I knew within a minute and a half of this episode that this was maybe going to be my favorite episode ever. I knew that this was going to be the one where I had to stop what I was doing afterwards and text my television watching friends and say, "Please start watching Bojack Horseman. You, you need yeah. to understand that you need to watch the show." I came into work. I talked to you and a colleague that we've mentioned on this podcast before, James Hunt, about doing a goddamn podcast on this show because um, I'd never seen mental health tackled. Uh, like, And I think it's a bit trite now to just like go on about your own mental health struggles in this of all years because everybody, everybody yeah. has struggles. Mental health, it's great that mental health is such a spectrum because it probably makes you realise that everyone in the world has their own confrontation with it. And I think better to view it like that than to put yourself on an island and feel like you're not special. Yeah, but... um, so I did wonder when people watch this, if people felt the same and you go online, you do a bit of cursory Google and you go on the Reddit threads, what it's unanimous, isn't it? It's as if people, it's as if, it's as if everyone's little internal dialogue or when they have that bad day, if, if you happen to be one of the very fortunate people that doesn't live with something like this, but you have that bad day, they've even located that they've drawn a character that everybody already knows. And I think that we get it in the cold open and it's freezing goddamn stone cold, that we get it in the cold open. It's a shock to the system because you are sucked deep into this because you recognize it and you didn't know you recognize it. Why? Because you've never seen it before. You've nobody's ever visualized it before. Sopranos is the closest I can think of. And that's in the form of conversation that can't animate Tony Soprano's brain as he's talking to Dr. Melfi, but the acting does its best job at it. This, another level. This is, that's exactly it. Uh, 
And I think the closest, honestly, the closest I can imagine to seeing something that works on a similar level to this. And I would totally agree with you. From the second I watched this, I was like, and obviously my feelings were exactly the same at the end of the episode of just like, this is incredible. This is the the best interpretation of this I have ever seen. And I know it was from the, from the very beginning, much like yourself. The only thing I could co- compare it to, which it has popped up in other things like uh, colour palettes they've used in, in the show in, in the past, uh, is Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and, and um, mm. Ralph Stevens' yeah. art for, like, that came with it for all of Hunter S. Thompson's pieces. That sort of, the black line drawings over high-intense colour uh, of just mad, sporadic scenes. That, you feel the heat coming off it, don't you? It's like yeah. impressive. Essentially, the ink is still is deliberately splattered everywhere because it's mm. it's supposed to look vile. It's just it's just fresh. It's not finished. It's not a fully formed piece. It's not perfectly done. And that's exactly what this is. And I realise we're on a big rant now about these animations, but there's a good reason for it because they are so impactful and so huge in this episode. Well, uh, we'll get some questions lined up for RBW in the finale on this one in particular. Indeed, yeah. We'll do one. See if one you can draw a couple. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, just, I'll open up like Bojo in the episode. I'll be like, RBW, you stupid piece of shit. Um, <laughs> back to the review, if we can. Stupid piece of shit. Bojack wakes up for another day. So, of course, it starts like that. Uh, he looks in his fridge for milk, but groans as uh, Tina, the Care Bear, is next to him making breakfast. Uh, meanwhile, Beatrice is there lecturing Henrietta about making a healthy breakfast. Of course, that's as we learned last week, is what she is for some reason calling Bojack. There's an allusion to Henrietta being some sort of care for Beatrice, and maybe that's who she sees Bojack as in a kind of fractured mental state. Um, <laughs> they do play with gags because it's Bojack Horseman. She says, uh, <laughs> no one likes a fatty patty. But Bojack just keeps wheeling her wheelchair out of shot. He tries a couple of times just to the left of frame, and yet she wheels back in for the gag, making Bojack question if his house was built on a slant to the point where he has to park the chair with her in it behind the wall um, just so he can't see her and nor can we, even though we can kind of hear her muttering to herself in the meantime. Uh, Hollyhock asks if he wants to eat breakfast with the family that Tina the Care Bear has made. Bojack passes politely uh, and goes and sits in his car, parked on Mulholland, bollocking himself yet again for making the wrong call. Why would it be such a stupid piece of shit and not just have breakfast with his family instead of just sitting there um, looking out in the middle distance of Hollywood? Uh, It's later on in the day. He's back home again. Uh, Again, the voice in his head. Idiot. Stupid animal. Oaf. That's the first thought that comes into his head as he just sees his family sat there. Um, Beatrice is doting on a doll, and that turns out to be the baby that we heard about in the uh, in the cold open. Uh, she's kept asking about this baby. It's just a just your standard sort of toy doll. Uh, Bojack doesn't think it's healthy to indulge your delusions because Hollyhock is kind of just supporting uh, whatever it is that Beatrice can see in this baby's eyes. Um, <laughs> he notes that his way of cheering her up is a pillowcase for a face with a smile on it. I mean, the visual is incredible of him just effectively bagging his mother's own head with a, a like hastily drawn smiley face. <laughs> Hollyhock and Tina the Care Bear are exasperated. Look, I don't know where to jump in with you to like as we would normally break these episodes down in this particular one. Do you want a minute on the bag <laughs> on the pillowcase? Honestly, this gag was so good, but the bag the bag killed me dead because the 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 stupid smiley face that he's drawn on this bag. And the fact that Beatrice doesn't actually seem that bothered no. by the bag and that this is something he's done before. <laughs> yeah, this is a fix. This is not just this something he's come fix. up with on the spot. This is his niche. 
she's now comfortable with, and she just keeps carrying on what she's doing with this bag <laughs> over her face. And it's huge, huge popper. Oh dear. Um, she later on is making eggs. Uh, not doing a particularly good job, but Hollyhock again, full of praise for praise for the eggs, praise for the coffee. Uh, Bojack sort of miserably shifts in, uh, in and out with his kitchen as all that's going on. Um, again, back in his head, you stupid garbage fire. Everything sucks. Hollyhock is still sort of pandering um, to Beatrice's doting on the baby doll, which sort of intensifies um, Bojack's internal monologue and his outward persona at the same time. It's the first time the two of them have kind of come together or he's maybe revealed a bit of that. Uh, he's convinced that Beatrice is just manipulating Hollyhock and everybody else. It's a carryover from last week when he was very mistrustful of Beatrice's mind being gone. He believes that she is just like intentionally faking what she's got to just make his life that much worse as she has done for all his other intervening years um his internal voice as i say pretty much agrees and marries up um bojack is swigging from a whiskey bottle at this point it's the middle of the day the sun's beaming through but he rows with hollyhock over what to do about this doll he rages at beatrice uh for parenting the doll in a way that she never ever did with him she's just so in love with this baby doting on it in a way that bojack kind of opens up here in a way that she never did um he steals the doll away. He drops it first on the floor. Beatrice is so upset at seeing this baby in her mind, obviously potentially being abused. It's, it's just the doll, but he's dropped it on the floor. He just starts shouting at Beatrice, who has become inconsolable at this point. Quote, what if I left it in its room all day and didn't feed it or change it? Oh, that's okay. I must be mother of the year. What if for 18 years straight, I just tell it how worthless it is every day, how it embarrasses me, how my life would be better if I'd never been born? Beatrice replies, Give me that baby, you worthless waste of my husband's jism. Bojack replies, oh. oh, so you do know who I am. Beatrice says, govern yourself, Henrietta. Pulling it all the way back in again. Bojack, under the advice of his dark thoughts, throws the doll over the balcony. Beatrice wails another guttural no, very much similar to the one as she was being dragged off by the orderlies and the medics in the home last week as Bojack was performing horsing around in front of her. Um... Bojack assesses the situation that he and his internal voice have caused. Hollyhock's disappointment, Beatrice's tears, Tina's struggling to sort of settle her, and uh, the voice in his head just sort of closes the scene out. You goddamn idiot asshole. I mean, what? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, know what, I don't know what my feed lines are after these. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you need many, to be honest. I think they've been set up pretty well. This was the, I mean, we went from the pillow over the, over the head to the sort of quick change in dynamic, real goddamn quick. And of course we did. This Bojack Horseman <laughs> <laughs> was dragging the gag, as you used to call it quite frequently, <laughs> um, because they managed to encapsulate the horror. And it's, it's genuine horror. Like, think about what we're watching here. We're watching a, a human like an anthropomorphic horse throw out of a window, a, a, off a balcony rather, a, a toy horse person mm-hmm. that is being seen as a, as a baby by another horse woman who has dementia and is an old. And they, honestly, when he throws it over the balcony and Beatrice is up against the wind, there's an amazing shot they do from outside the house on the window that Beatrice is pressed up against from in from the outside looking in. Mm. It's horror. It's abs- It's horror. Yeah. Like it's 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 a, she's horrified. The, the noise you make, you've got a spot on there. It's guttural. It's awful. It's the kind of noise you'd never want to hear your own 
from our making because yeah. it's it has heartbreaking there completely. And that, they've done that in the space of what a couple of a couple of minutes, a quick bit of interaction, really just to show you how how high end intensity the relationship is between Bojack and his mom that nobody else can understand because they haven't been through any of it. Mm. And like the internal monologue, the pacing of it here is amazing because the it's the closest we get to, like you say, it almost spills out. Although yeah. they do, it's they use quite a. For anybody who's ever seen the show Peep Show, very much a, a Mark Corrigan moment of like head says one thing, mouth says the exact opposite, like real mm-hmm. quickly, like when he says she's right. I think he's listening to Hollyhock says she's right, and then he he audibly says she's wrong. Mm-hmm. Like the amount of times they do that. Yeah, it's com- it's conversational, isn't it? Yeah, it's basically him against himself very quickly. And it builds up the tension really, really fast inside the room. I thought this was amazing because while Bojack and the voice in his head kind of like come together, imagine like two sort of speeding trains, and this is yeah. the first time they line up for the first time. It's been, what, days since they've taken Beatrice home, we were left to assume, from last week's episode. And he's already betrayed his instincts from last week, which was to no longer pay forward the child abuse that he suffered. He doesn't want to pay that forward to Hollyhock. He doesn't want to be the parent to her that um, Beatrice was to him and what he kind of, what we've learned to understand Beatrice's dad certainly was to Beatrice. Um, but he's done it because whilst expressing all the pain of his own child abuse, he is through Beatrice's eyes, abusing a child. If that doll, if we had to buy the Beatrice and through her whale, we have to believe it. If that doll is a baby, he is enacting everything that he said he wouldn't do with Hollyhock. It's just, it's only through the eyes of a woman with dementia. But he's doing it. He's doing it. It's all, it's, as he's throwing this baby around, he's expressing the pain of his own experiences about being left to to cry, about, um, what was the other thing he said? Like, just being told he was worthless all the time, um, about not being fed. Like, that's him playing through the pain, not in a psychiatrist's chair, but by abusing a child. It's fortunate that we know it to be a doll, but she doesn't. Beatrice doesn't. And he's essentially showing Hollyhock that he would do that is the worst mm. part, isn't it? Because even it's though capable. it's he's not, capable. the principle is, yeah, like we've set mm. up this thing, whether it's real or not, that's what Beatrice is seeing in the doll. And the fact that he still goes ahead and chooses to do it anyway, mm. is like, it's a big, big eye opener for Hollyhock, that, isn't it? It's as sad for her without the the noises, I guess. Without it's, It means something different, doesn't it? But it's just as sad. Um... He's back in his car, Bojack, chastising him. Uh, he's comparing himself to the doll. Um, the voice again says, got to make things right, got to get doll back. Cut to back at Bellican's bar again. Uh, one drink, then get doll back. Uh, we cut to him having his third drink uh, at the bar. So he's there necking a whiskey and you can see the two glasses next to him. So he's already let himself down on his one on his promise to himself. He's yet again bollocking himself, uh, saying I was going to make Hollyhock hate him. Um, reasons to himself that it's actually better that way um, based on how the people that loved him and then we get a really super quick cut of Herb, Penny, Sarah Lynn, how they all turned out when they loved him um, tries to think how we can fix it and again we get a quick cut, it's almost like that kind of like the animation becomes like a Rolodex of people so he's gone through the people that he's hurt in the form of Herb, Penny, Sarah Lynn, now he's going through the people who we can maybe try and get to help and again it's people that he's hurt, it's Princess Carolyn, it's Todd and he finally lands on Diane um, he falls off his bar stool when it like hits him like a bolt out of the blue that Diane is the one. And he wakes up in Mr. Peanutbutter's house, surrounded, of course, by the, the campaign stuff. Um, immediately regrets choosing Diane for help upon seeing where he is. Um, so settles on Mr. Peanutbutter himself. Uh, Peanutbutter notes that Diane's on the roof 
um, which we will get to later, but it's, it's interesting that that's where she is. And it's almost like that realization of where she is, is too much for Bojack to deal with yeah. because he knows what happens when he has conversations with Diane on that roof. So it's Miss Peanut Butter instead. Mr. Peanut Butter will do just fine. Um, he's calling himself an idiot over and over again, literally going idiot, 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 as Mr. Peanut Butter is offering his services for the day. Um, Peanut Butter dismisses everybody so we can just spend the day with Bojack. Uh, and they rock up back at uh, Bojack's house so that Mr. Peanut Butter can smell Beatrice to get a scent of where uh, the doll might be. Um, he cracks a few jokes, he tries to lighten the mood, uh, but Bojack doesn't really want anything to do with it. He kind of like dismisses him for, like, as he says, workshopping his type five. Um, but on their way, they go anyway, obviously, because he's a dog. They go just, a bit of, just a bit of smelling humour, Michael, that's all it was. <laughs> <laughs> they go off following the scent um, and through the Hollywood Hills as uh, Bojack's internal monologue this time questions and well question slash resents how mr peanut butter can just be so carefree as he's obviously hopping along trying to find the smell um turns out the doll is at felicity huffman's house uh they knock on the door to get the door back she opens the door and says you're a real piece of shit bojack horseman and slams the door in his face <laughs> uh bojack sticks at it trying to convince uh, felicity huffman to give the doll back uh his internal voice at this point is calling him shit for brains while cycling through uh, some other reasons why she might hate him. That's the thing. Obviously, he's so unsure of the reasons why she might hate him because there are potentially that many to choose from, all of which are screened to him by his own internal monologue. Uh, they're all just various random acts of cruelty of things he's done to people in Hollywood, things he's done in jobs. And they all sound like things that Bojack would have definitely done to others. None of these feel hypothetical, and that's the worst thing about it. Cruelty to extras, cruelty to women, all that sort of stuff. Um and yet, it's just as simple as him being an awful neighbour. She lives below him. Uh, his beer bottles, his cigarettes, his, of course, scripts with women as the lead. Uh, <laughs> regurgitated candy floss, of which we know on multiple occasions, has gone down the Hollywood Hills and into his garden. It all, like all shit, slides downhill. Um, peanut butter, trying to ready the governor of California to politically broker a bit of peace between the two sides. Uh, and it sort of works. Bojack pretends to be a fan of her work, of her television, whatever it is that she's working on at the moment, which, of course, because it's Hollywood, scores him a role on her show, FHBA Los Angeles. Bojack agrees to be as part of a three-episode arc, I think it was. Um, sorry, Peter Butter agrees on Bojack's behalf to take the role um, if he can have the doll back. Uh, and that takes us to Bojack and Mr. Peter Butter drinking in Bellicans. We'll get to where that conversation leads. But your thought on the acquisition of the doll and a little, I say slightly lighter, but this episode doesn't do light when it's dealing with the airplot, when it's dealing with Bojack. But the lighter stuff about how he's made an enemy of Felicity Huffman and how the problem gets solved with him getting work out of it. It's just some top, top quality Bojack Horseman content, isn't it? It's all very specifically Bojack, this, isn't it? Like, man in Hollywood does daft thing, gets a reward for daft <laughs> thing, continues to be stupid piece of shit. <laughs> we'll never learn. The cycle will continue. But yeah, I mean, it was nice to see the, the illustrations used for something potentially less serious. Uh, I think it's like that he might have almost hit her with a bike while she was cycling a bike with his car. He's like, I might have insulted her at a at a charity event. She might have overheard him or something. Little bits like that where they're fun, like, quite cutely animated. Um. Obviously, we had seen Felicity Huffman as well, just as a, a little aside, considering all of the weird controversies that have ended up surrounding her in the, the year 2020, or even though I'm sure that's out of everybody's mind, all the uh, <laughs> the exam scandals or whatever it was back in yeah. the time. But um, 
the most importantly though, straight away you realise she lives below Bojack and you can just imagine the kind of life that must be. I mean, 15 years she says she's lived <laughs> below him. We've only been here for four seasons. <laughs> and it, probably, already it's been a disaster. She's the only person in the episode that calls him a piece of shit that's got like actual valid justification. You know, like his own head, he, need, he needs help to get on top yeah. of that. Felicity Huffman is completely bang within her rights. You could, you could Michael, even perhaps say that she's a desperate housewife at this point. <laughs> very nice, very good. Desperate to move. Um, <laughs> we've got them back at Bellicans, uh, Bojack and Mr. Peanut Butter. Uh, they've got the doll that's on the bar, so that it's, it's all worked. It's all sort of worked out. Uh, but Bojack is now imagining killing himself uh, by throwing himself off his deck into Felicity Huffman's backyard to teach her a lesson. <laughs> I'm sorry, that wasn't popular. Like, even though I'm very dark. <laughs> It did get me good, that. That'll teach her. <laughs> That'll teach her a lesson. Uh, Mr. Peter Butter reluctantly agrees to stay and drink for a while um, rather than just take the doll home. He seems a little bit confused by that. That triggers Bojack's inner voice again because very quickly this time, he knows you're terrible. The biggest idiot in the world and even he knows you're terrible. Uh, Bojack uses his own name as a verb uh, for screwing things up. I'll probably just Bojack it. Um, but Mr. Peter Butter thinks that Bojacking things up means showing up somewhere, being the life of the party, and having a laugh with your good old friend, Mr. Peanut Butter. <laughs> we haven't had this in a while, but twice in this episode now, with that, and obviously with them walking down the hill, and Mr. Peanut Butter sorting out the scent. Again, it's a very sort of like season one, season two observation of they're living the same life, but they're just living it differently. Um, the conversation moves on to Hollyhock. Um, Bojack says to Mr. Peanut Butter, quote, uh, every time she looks at me with those big innocent eyes, all I can think about is every single shitty thing I've ever done. And I don't deserve that kind of love. Uh, Mr. Peter Butter gives a long list of things he doesn't know about. Mainly stuff to do with local government, if I'm being honest. <laughs> but he does know that everybody deserves to be loved. And that's just nice. That's actually just where the it's scene lovely. ends. Mr. Peter Butter is nice. He's trying to help. Um, Peter Butter. <laughs> uh, just don't get into politics. So he arrives home uh, late faced but with the doll in hand um he's called towards beatrice of course he is so tina takes her off to bed um but then bojack spies hollyhock uh sort of sat by the pool throwing burnt matches throwing lit matches into the pool where they all just sort of fizzle out one after another after another inner voice kicks in again talk to it idiot drink first no you stupid alcoholic talk to your daughter you ruin her you know that right no matter what your poison it, no matter what your poison is already in her there's nothing you can do Bojack's outer voice. That's not true. Bojack's inner voice. Yeah, it is. You stupid piece of shit. You're a real stupid piece of shit. And everywhere you go, you destroy people. Of course your mother never loved you. What do you expect? That's why Sarah Lynn died. That's why Charlotte will never forgive you. What are you going to do to Hollyhock, asshole? Shut up. That's both from him. That's both from the voice. Shut up. And he sees Hollyhock and he goes to speak to her. Um, she asks him where he goes all day. Obviously speaking to the last two days. But to suggest that this is very much part of Bojack's life since Beatrice has been wheeled back into it. He tells her the truth. He says, nowhere, a bar. He just drives around. Um, Hollyhock asks if, or so why he would rather do that than spend time with her. Just, I mean, Christ, I've got two kids and I like a break sometimes. This absolutely broke my heart. Um, yeah. But he tries to make it very clear that it's not really about her. Um, she then acknowledges that her arrival was a bit out of the blue. Um, calls herself an annoying, dorky 17-year-old. But that's when Bojack really has to draw a line and say it's absolutely nothing to do with her. 
He's really glad she's there. If he's shitty, it's just because he's shitty. Um, this sort of brings them back together again. As, to be fair, Bojack's honesty did. I think to tell her how those sad days are spent was another step in his attempt to forge a proper relationship with Hollyhock rather than one just fueled by empty Hollywood bullshit. So she confides in him um, that she has a tiny voice in her head that says, quote, hey, everybody hates you, and they're not wrong to feel that way. And that's when the music that we've heard accompanying all of Bojack's inner thoughts restarts again. Hollyhock continues, that voice, the one that tells you that you're worthless and you're stupid and you're ugly, it goes away, right? And Bojack just takes a very pregnant pause and says, yeah. We hit the credits with the music playing out, and just a quick one here because I'll forget otherwise. The music is credited to carefully, Blood in the Cut, which is absolutely worth going to listen to as a bit of uh, accompanied listening for this episode because it plays through every single one of these animations. Uh, there's blood in all of my cuts at the moment, and they're all weeping sores because this episode ends with the first lie Bojack has told since last week when he pledged desperately to stop lying to Hollyhock. But he's just learned a valuable parenting lesson. Sometimes you kind of have to because he desperately, desperately doesn't want to break this girl like his own thoughts are telling him he's going to do. Holy shit. <laughs> yes. Holy shit is correct. Uh, just magnificently done this, but also really, really, you, you feel just how fragile and sort of how worried you suddenly are for Hollyhock in this moment. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I guess it comes with the territory of, you know, growing up and figuring life out, I guess, along the way. But that sort of a wake-up call almost for him, I think, in terms of he doesn't want to... He, just, he, he wants to help her with that. So he tells her a lie, which obviously breaks the, the streak that we learned he was trying to avoid from last week. Not ideal. This because he said he didn't want to base the their relationship on the lie. But then, as you say, he reaches that crossroads where it's like, well, is the other way going to help her or hinder her? What's, what's, I don't, it's, it's such a weird juxtaposition, this, isn't it? Because you, you're devastated that he's lied, but you can see what he's trying to do based on an entire episode we've just suffered through with him yeah. on a daily basis. Um, this build up in the end, when Bojack starts that inner monologue against himself before he speaks to Hollyhock, the run up to that is just so intense. Like you feel, the tension building. If it was building in the house between him and Beatrice and Hollyhock, in this moment, it's all him. And it's, you think his head's going to explode. And I assume yeah. that's what the, that's where we feel like we're headed because it's just becoming too much. And like, you know, for anybody who does struggle with their mental health, that's like, a, this episode must, like, it spoke to me. And I can't imagine what it would speak to someone who's got a much more complex and difficult mm. mental health situation than me own. Like, it's just such a brilliant way of showing this, all of the different versions of it throughout a day that can hit somebody. And then, like the, I guess, the sins of the father, like he's worried about what's going to be the next generation. And as you and I have spoken, you, whenever we've had the conversations regarding you being parent, like a parent, like seeing it through those eyes is always much, much worse than seeing it through your own. There's like, like a million things you could beat yourself up for every day as a parent mm. and it's one thing about the world getting better is that you see the ways in which you can be better um but things aren't as binary as they used to be that that's good it's good mm. that the world isn't as binary as it once was 
but it creates very different challenges about how good a job you think you're doing or the things you're getting wrong or the things you then beat yourself up for or the things you then feel guilty for. You know, I'm, I'm applying that to parenting specifically, but, you know, that probably speaks to people's own battles with whatever they're battling in their own life. It could just be the dreadful year we've all had to suffer through as a, as a human race, I guess. Um, I, so like the, it's funny you mentioned about the head exploding. Um, it took me back and it's like a really daft Harry Enfield sitcom sketch set in the 50s mocking how men would think about women in the 50s mm. and it talks about how like a, a, a woman's brain could not cope with all this information and this visual has always struck with me not you know the, the tone of the gag but there's a side-on shot of a head like an x-ray shot of yeah. a head opened up and it looks what looks like a toddler's scribble scribbling over the lines of the brain so like yeah. they have the, they have the, the men information takes it on and it's just like all colored within the lines yeah. nice yeah, and, yeah. and then a women's brain cannot and it's just like violent jagged scribbles and that was what i was visualizing here was like was my own animation of bojack going through this argument with himself all the scribbles are suddenly they broke through his ears they broke through his eyes that, that's yeah. like that's what i could see because i felt like i'd been taught it by the animation almost throughout the rest yeah. of the episode um you've learned something i we're going to understate this because i don't think there's a way to properly adequately explore it over one podcast or the conversations that I know that myself and yourself and anyone that's watched this episode has probably had with the other people that watch it before. We'll just, you know, try and provide an accompaniment because we couldn't touch everything. But mm. I don't think I'm understating this to say that you could have never watched this show in your life. Uh, you could know nothing of the characters, the backstories, any of that sort of stuff. And it's almost irrelevant. I think you could have somebody to explain your personal mental health problems if you thought they just didn't get it. Yeah. It is both like laser focus incisive and yet so brilliantly broad that it welcomes people into the mental health conversation. Mm. It I welcomes tell you what, people of like other generations that might not get it. That would be it for me. I, I, I think reading up on people who've seen this episode and have since either written posts or like sent messages directly to like RBW or whoever, basically saying like this help them to understand their own mental health. This helped mm -hmm. them to explain it to people who they've been struggling to explain it to. Like, who, you know... I mean, it's it's invisible, isn't it, to people who you can't... Mm -hmm. if, you, if, if people don't suffer from it or don't have any concept of it, then someone talking about it is, like, it might as well be gibberish. But then if, to be able to have a physical thing you can show somebody, it must be so helpful. But I think the one thing that really struck me about this, uh, and I guess they use, they use Beatrice quite well, because I find this, I actually saw parallels in my own uh, grandma who is lives in a in a hospice somewhere, mm. and uh, somewhere like I just took. <laughs> I promise you, it's a nice one, but like the, you, uh, wheel, you just wheeled around the corner, so she's wheeling back down. Just, just don't say anything too loud. She's actually in the corner there. She's just got a pillowcase <laughs> on her head. <laughs> um, genuinely though, like the um, it it just it's such a great illustration that people genuinely forget because you are trained from a young age to just do life and you just get on with it and whatever. Life is really hard, man. Like even the bog standard basics of a day to day life are rock hard. Like it's not a simple task. Like getting up every day to get a shower, to sort your stuff out, to make yourself breakfast, to do your job, or to then make yourself food. All these things. Oh, clean your teeth. I know it sounds ridiculous. Over the course of a day, that stuff isn't easy. That's it's like it's you. You've just learned to do it. And if you ever have a wobble in life, and you start to realise these are actually difficult things that are time consuming, that are 
in your way to whatever it is sometimes that you're trying to do a lot of the time. And I just feel like this episode, obviously not the minuscule detail, but it really helps to kind of get the the chaotic madness of how many things you are actually probably juggling in your head on a daily day basis that you don't even think about because you're on autopilot because you were brought up and you grew up into the world and there's like a big chunk of time where it just happens like automated. Only when you're a certain age, you start to realize that you're the one who's like making all these decisions and you're in charge of them. And that's when it starts. And I think like this episode really, really illustrated that perfectly. And the specific one for me that really like that moment when he's eating the cookies at the beginning of the episode and he's like, this isn't proper food. The difference is, and as a person who lives alone and anybody who might be listening who lives alone might get this as well. I audibly say these things to myself instead of doing it in my head. <laughs> so that's the difference. And I almost find it easier to do it that way because it's it, then it's out. Then nobody can say it didn't happen. It wasn't all happening in my head. I'm just like, what are you doing, man? Just eat something properly. Stop, put that away. Go and get yourself food. And I'm sure there's so many people can relate to this episode in very different ways, but it's just magnificent, really, isn't it? Fucking the buenos in a row, minimum. <laughs> hey, don't even start with me because I'm going to tell you a secret now. Everybody here on Podcast Horseman and Michael Hamlet will be hearing this for the first time. I God only hopes my mother doesn't hear this because she, every year, <laughs> I don't ask for them anymore because I'm 30. But every year, my mum will buy us an advent calendar. So like, <laughs> just adamant that this is one little thing around Christmas time. And straight up, I have eaten all of the chocolates in the advent <laughs> calendar already. They're all gone. And that is just because they were there. And I, I love the indignity of a naked advent calendar when you've, when you've, like, when you've shed its doors and it's just that, like, thin slip of plastic. But do, you know, do you know what the brilliance about it is? I've actually shut the doors back and I'm just <laughs> using it and I'm just using it as a calendar now. <laughs> but we uh, have got off topic. Sorry, I've derailed you a little magic. bit. There. I love that. I do apologise. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The only ones that are left for anybody who wants them are some double deckers, which I am not a fan of because I can't do peanuts. There you go. Anyway, back to the podcast. That gets us very nicely onto like the, the, the only little glimmers of light in the shade of this episode, which was... Princess Carolyn and Todd. Um, it's going to wrap in a little bit of Diane, much in the same way that Bojack had some uh, interaction with Mr. Peanut Butter. But this was, the two central characters were kind of like interwoven here, so we'll touch on them, and then that's that's the episode wrapped. Um, Princess Carolyn meets with Courtney Portnoy and Todd. Um, Miss Taken has obviously failed drastically after it was just left to one scene of her entering a mall. Um, but it's okay, because Courtney has fired her agent due to the failure of the film and hired... Rudabega Rabitowitz. Um uh, cut to a meeting where that actual stupid piece of shit is uh, pitching an enormous, glamorous celebrity wedding between Todd and Courtney, kind of make up some of the losses uh, that she's not going to be able to recoup from mistaken. Um, it's going to happen this weekend. Todd is not really sure, but Princess Carolyn gets him on board, noting that they can do a, quote, Hollywood sham marriage contract that basically isn't exclusive, lasts three years, and gets them both a huge payday. Um, that immediately, I don't know about you, sent me through the Rolodex of various celebrity marriages trying to work out which one signed those contracts. Yeah. Um because of course he does, then puts all the actual graft of arranging this on Princess Carolyn. But to be fair, as we go through the episode, we're going to see that it's a kind of what feels like a joint effort, and we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later. Todd finds himself at an asexual's meetup. Um, and he learns from another married couple of aces that are there that it's actually seen as quote-unquote normal to get married in the asexual community. Um, that goes some way to alleviating his very obvious concerns with this publicity stunt. Um, but it's too late for any of that because Princess Carolyn and Ruda Baker are doing an amazing job of putting this wedding together in no time. Uh, we get this great running gag where every now and then Judah pops into shot and just scares the shit out of Rudabaker specifically, sometimes the rest of the characters, but it's just because he's always present and he's always there with key and vital information as the two chancer agents kind of flying around getting stuff done. He pops in with the facts. Uh, he notes that, unfortunately, Mel Streep is having a retirement party the very same day. All of the Hollywood elite are going to be there rather than being at the wedding, which, of course, undermines the point of the wedding in the first place. Um, so the two of them together concoct a film project where... <laughs> They note that the only thing that will get a retired film actor back into film is directing. But it goes one further. They somehow find a way to her playing every character in the film, a la Naughty Professor 2, The Clumps, because if she does another film, she can't retire. Uh, Todd, in the meantime, still soul-searching, still looking for a bit of guidance on this whole thing, goes to the roof of Diane's, uh, where, of course, we already know that Diane was. Uh, but she wasn't alone, as it turns out. She was having a chat with her much maligned friend, Roxy. Um, we're going to get a little bit more Roxy at the end of the scene. Um, but he searches for a bit of counsel from Diane about whether or not he should get married. He uses a fake name, which he spots straight away to come up with a hypothetical that is living his exact life. Um, hilariously, this cuts off Roxy getting to talk about herself, which plays off a terrific running gag from the last time that we saw Roxy and Diane together. Um Diane suggests that all weddings are a farce and a lie, but then pulls it back in and says, but they are based on a nugget of truth and love at the centre. She notes that marriage is about shared hardships, about things sometimes breaking down, but all of that's okay as long as you still believe in that core nugget of love that was there from the beginning, uh, which the longer she talks, the more you feel she does not. 
<laughs> Diane sort of sees Todd off with that advice. He seems genuinely helped by that information. Very, very insightful from Diane uh, as the camera zoomed closer and closer in on her nervous eyes. Cuts back out, <laughs> cuts back out, and she puts herself over for what a great advice it was and what a great friend she is. As Roxy, yet again unable to talk about her life, just despairs at the state of the relationship she's got with Diane. Um, meanwhile, Rita Baker is at uh, Mel Street's house, tra <laughs> trapping her in a box because this is called, quote, packaging talent. She's looked at a deal for this nutty professor clumps film pitch that she's put on the floor and they've literally trapped her in a giant box so she's contracted to do the film which of course means that the wedding could be back on so they're back at the office toasting what a great job they've done um and like Rudabeg is still like he's talked about having the family and having the kids still an energy that he's like trying to flirt with princess carolyn a bit like hit on her a little bit um but then like sort of borderline gaslights her by saying ah it's different now you've got your boyfriend i've got my family and that's a dig as well. And he knows it's a dig. He's a, he's a stupid piece of shit. Ah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I should point out Meryl Streep's in a massive crate next to them as they, as they clink glasses <laughs> in Princess Carolyn's office. But Todd rings up um, and Diane has gotten through to him. He goes off on a long analogy about the Tootsie Pop, about the call centre being the thing that matters, which obviously does play into Diane's call centre. But um, realises it doesn't work when Rudy Baker responds with, well, he could just have the lollipop. Uh, Point is, Todd doesn't want to go through with it, and Princess Carolyn doesn't want to port, doesn't want to force him through it either. Um, so the fake marriage is not happening. Princess Carolyn like leaps off a chair, goes immediately into spin mode. What can we do to make this work? But uh, Rudabaker is already checking out for the day. It's six p.m. Uh, he's got to go do dad stuff. Uh, Princess Carolyn tries to remind him that it's important, and that once he's got the kids to sleep, reading a few scripts, can't he just come back? Um, he rebuffs that idea completely, laughs it off, says, "No, I've got my kids. I've got like I've got to do some," as he calls it co-parenting, but as Katie, his partner, calls it, parenting. Um, so that's him for the day. Uh, he says, quote, thank God you're not a mother. You'd be hilarious at it. What a stupid piece of shit. Um, Judah appears uh, again after he's left, and they together banter off Ruda Baker in like quite a sweet moment between the two of them. Judah, in a lovely sort of callback almost to Anna Spodakotman, offers to get rid of... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Rita Baker but then when Princess Carolyn sort of asks further questions he just means get, stop working together um, and then in a like an unsolicited sweet compliment just says by the way I think you'd be a wonderful mother um, he leaves for the night because if you remember Princess Carolyn always wants Judah to go home he works so hard he, she doesn't want him to have the life that she has kind of yeah. signed up for herself uh, and then the big reveal uh, Princess Carolyn has got the pregnancy test in a little Ziploc bag and it's positive that is the nice ending for the character um, in the B-plot when the A-plot is absolutely disgusting. And we pull out Princess Carolyn's office as she just smiles warmly to herself. And you can hear Meryl Streep still trying to escape from the box. Uh, we needed all of this, I think. It's, not without, it's not without depth. Um, Todd's questioning about the sham marriage and is continues to try and learn about himself. Diane's <laughs> semi-realisation, which she completely pulls back from, uh, to just put herself over <laughs> as a terrific friend. A lot happening there. Um, nice stuff, this. Really good stuff. Dealt with like a lot of little inter interpersonal relationships between several other characters in a way that didn't really need to factor into Bojack's world. Bojack had enough going on in his own head without having the busy work of other characters in this one. I thought this was a good choice from the programme makers and just generally a good through-line plot. 
dealt with like use use the comedy of it really well, but it still hit upon all the key stuff that we needed to keep moving forward with. Definitely, it was as it was as ridiculous as you would imagine it needed to be, but also felt really neatly tied up. I think in quite a lot of ways uh, for for all of them actually. Um, Todd obviously figuring out, still kind of figuring out his way in the world. Obviously with this new found asexuality, and I feel like it was kind of important. Like important that in the end he got the one over on Hollywood almost. Mm. You know, he decided to do things his way because I think it's. He could have easily gone along with that, as Todd has a tendency to do. <laughs> but in the end, he decides that for where he's at right now, not a great shout. So a good little well-tied-together ending for Todd there. Diane's one is amazing because, as you say, she stumbles into it by accident. Uh, what is a huge alarm, like a massive big ringing alarm <laughs> bell for all of us who we know they've been having difficulties this year. <laughs> Um, in this particular this year, <laughs> haven't we all <laughs> in this season rather? Um, but I think it's interesting how we start that conversation with her and Roxy, where they are actually talking about how her and peanut butter uh, don't really just like finish um, or come to conclusions anymore. They just have mad arguments and then have hot sex, basically. It's, it's fighting and, and shagging. That's all. Yeah, doing. fighting <laughs> and shagging, and it doesn't really work. <laughs> like, <laughs> And this kind of just hammers at home, doesn't it? Ironically, which is probably what's been happening quite frequently in the peanut butter house. Um, but yeah, so while, while maybe Diane's marriage might still be on the rocks, at least that narrative was tied up nice and neat. And as for Princess Carolyn, I mean, this is just brilliant news. Brilliant news. And, and rightly so, because her and Ralph, my friend, were working bloody hard at this. Yep. <laughs> I think <laughs> they were trying the goddamn best. They had uh, Harvey Firestein on her watch. On our watch, trying to, I was going to say Harvey Weinstein there, and I think that would have been a different kind of watch altogether, that wouldn't it? Um, Harvey Feierstein urging them along the way, and it seems like it's all paid off in the end. And we get Meryl Streep in a box, Michael. So, I mean, <laughs> what more can you ask for from the other plot? I mean, I, I'm, give us give some jokes, please. I'm knackered. <laughs> well, to be fair, there wasn't a ton of them. But there is definitely some. So why don't we go and do our usual, at this point of the episode, where we do horsing around. We go Please. back to the very beginning of the episode and we go through all of the uh, hidden meanings behind certain things, the Easter eggs you might have missed, the small details, everything like that. And hopefully some jokes as well. We go back to the very beginning. We are in Bojack's house. Uh, just a f- quick note of all the things that he's got in his medicine cabinet, Michael, which might, <laughs> I don't know, might cheer you up, it might not. But there's a quick shot. we got a bunch of things. He's got some tablets for um he's got a vanafil, he's got uh, menoxidil, he's got a one that's simply called pain free. <laughs> <laughs> but then he also has one called uh fluva uh, fluvastatin, which is uh prescribed to him below by the doctor, Dr. BG Pharma Michael. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was quite cute. Um, we go to Bojack's living room. Though. He's on the dinner table, as we mentioned. He's eating those cookies. I just thought it was funny how they're called Choco O's, these cookies. They're basically they're Oreos, but they're called Choco O's, which doesn't, it just doesn't go together. But, <laughs> but then we go into that, and I'm going to refer to this as the internal monologue throughout. You know what I'm talking about, these little um, moments in Bojack's head. Uh, in inter- we go to the internal monologue and there's a brilliant bit where he's talking about how only the greats die young and as he says that two gravestones pop up either side of him one of them is for Tupac Shakur and the other one is for Buddy Holly 
Fascinating fascinating to think how those two worlds are up in Bojack's head, and I'm not sure how how much I want to dive into that one, truth (laughs) be told. We go to Pelican's Bar, though, and as we see on a sign outside, it said the sign says, "If and I think this was in one of the other episodes, actually, but uh, I've noted at this time, it says, if you lived here, you'd be drunk by now, is what the sign says outside. <laughs> and it's fairly accurate, to be honest. There is a car outside, and I want to know if anybody of our, any of our listeners can maybe come up with this one. A blue sports car that is just in the car park with the registration. It's basically Walter X, but Walter is spelt with a three instead of an E. I couldn't figure it out. I didn't know if it was any particular meaning to it at all, or maybe it was just there to wind me up incessantly <laughs> by RBW. So congratulations, Raphael. Job done. We go to the opening credits. They have changed, of course, because Bojack's situation is different now. Mm. Inside the living room, you will find, along with Hollyhock now, Beatrice can be found in there, along with Tina the Care Bear too. And by the TV, you can see all of the um, things that Beatrice was kicked out of the nursing home with, like the hat rack, the skis, the picture of Joseph Sugarman, all that sort of stuff. On the window, though, I can't remember if they were there before, but there's the collage of pictures now that's on the window of Bojack's, which are actually all of Hollyhock's dads are on the photographs. Oh, yes, I did see which them, yeah. Is, it's revealed in the episode, but you also get to see them on the in the, in the credits as well. Um, there's also a weird little carrot pillow that's on the... On the and I can't decide if that's... I think it's Hollyhock who brings that with her. It's like just something to have for... Presumably, while she sleeps on Bojack's couch. <laughs> um, but she's also brought a bunch of her bags that have now turned up. And one of them is, of course, a big, long bag that she has, similar to Bojack, to Bojack and his spy bag, you would imagine. But it's got a monogram on, and it's obviously H-M-M-G-R-Z-H-F-M across <laughs> the whole bag for all of her initials, for all of her names, of course. And then we go, as the scene moves into the kitchen, though, you will also notice... Beatrice is pouring hollyhock coffee in the kitchen while the Care Bear is making scrambled eggs. So we get a whole scene in there instead of what was going on in the living room, just as the credits are moving along. Um, But we come out of the credits and we go back to the actual real kitchen of Bojack and we get a shot of inside of his fridge, Michael, which I thought was quite an interesting little... A little insight into Bojack Horseman's world, truth be told. There's a a package for some no-yo, which is obviously... (laughs) Not yogurt, Michael, but it says it's 100% pleasure-free yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> you, you also get some hummingbird eggs. You get a tub of Dijon mustard. We get some spaghetti. We get some um, sort of ready-made made things in, in trays, some spaghetti, some tofu, casserole, a pile of grapes, some lasagna, carrots, bread, mayonnaise, watermelon, iced coffee, and a little water filter there as well. Just because I thought you might be curious, really, I just wanted to tell you about the know your yogurt. But what are you going to do? <laughs> uh, we go to Mulholland, where Bojack can be found in his car, pulled over on the side of the road. Now, a cute little gag, yeah, which is blinking, you miss it, but it does. It was worth my time, apparently, as me and Michael Hanford tried to put this one together together before the episode. As Bojack's in there, you'll recall a jeep drives past him as someone shouts at him something along the lines of "Get in the hard shoulder, asshole," or whatever he <laughs> says. <laughs> And if you paused it, you will see that inside the uh, Jeep is what appears to be a lion. And the registration says P22, Michael, or P22, which to you and I would mean absolutely nothing. But when you do a bit of digging for anybody who's probably in Los Angeles and wants or knows about this, 
P22 or P22, again, I don't know which one it is, is a, a mountain lion, which is well known to people from Los Angeles due to his presence in Griffith Park, claimed to be the world's most urban natural park and host to the famous Hollywood or Hollywood sign. So this is actually a cat, the cat lion or whatever you want to call it, was driving past. terrifying. Is, is actually just chilling in a in park somewhere, <laughs> Michael, in Los Angeles. Can't wait to go and visit. <laughs> oh, I'm so goddamn rattled by this fact when we discovered it. If we I'm do never... have any listeners who are from America who've either been to this or know of this existence, what on earth is that? That's a lion that's just chilling in a park somewhere. Oh, like... May or may, may, or may not come and get you. What do you mean, told that? You've got to get yourself to Times Square, but watch out for the King Cobra. <laughs> 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 if you get the top of Big Ben, it's going to be great. Go all the way up there. There's a bear up there. <laughs> He's doing the clock, but just, you know. It's blew my mind. I've, want, I've never been to the West Coast, and I'd really like to see those letters and do all that touristy stuff. Yeah, me too. I'm less inclined with a goddamn lion in a bush. <laughs> like... <laughs> well, there you go. See, it was worth digging out. But anybody who has any more information on that, please do let us know. We are fascinated by yeah. this. Um, we go to Vim Management, though. Um and from one lion in a park, we go to a quick establishing shot of Vim management, which will show you a, an old caterpillar person, Michael, who was walking past Vim management, who's got three Zimmer frames. <laughs> <laughs> All of his various legs, a very good gag, this. Um, but then we go inside for a tongue twist out of Princess Carolyn's as she's talking about her favourite, and well, I say favourite, current favourite client, <laughs> Courtney Portnoy. And one of her other clients, Todd. <laughs> but she says to Courtney um, about the fact that Miss Taken's been a bit of a misfire. She says, um, more importantly, audiences are going to adore your tour de force performance as the forceful denim-clad court reporter in the court reporter sported jorts, the jet-setting jort-sporting court reporter story. Um which sounds like a film I would definitely not want to watch, mate, I'll be honest. They're putting you through the ringer every week with these now, aren't they? But it's fun to see it. Well, I've started this, haven't I? I've made a rod for my own back a little bit, yeah. Um, and I don't think it's the last time it happens in this episode, but we shall find out. My notes will tell me, I'm sure. Uh, we go back to Bojack's house, though, and I've just written down here because it deserves noting. I've just said, pillowcase. <laughs> <laughs> because that pillowcase gag is something else. Just pulling that over her head with the smiley face on, man. Your red pen. Amazing stuff. This. We go across to Sandro's, though, which is, of course, our new restaurant that we seem mm. to find everybody in these days. And a uh, couple of things, yeah. There's, um, well, actually, just the one. It's as they're all eating dinner together, all of the um, the aces from the asexual meetup, um, one of them you'll notice is an anteater. And everybody else is eating spaghetti and meatballs, but Michael, the anteater, is just eating meatballs. And you'll see he ends up eating them with his tongue. And I guess it's just a practicality thing. I think but, so, yeah. <laughs> but in fairness, what a cute little small detail to add. Like, what, mm. they, don't, they don't need to add that. And it just the thought of not giving him spaghetti because it could end up on his top or something, Michael. <laughs> I just thought that was a... It tells you how much they spend about this. Even though they spent a whole episode, spent time on all these animations and stuff, they've still got time to give an anteater specifically this kind of food. <laughs> It's the process that makes me laugh so much. It's to set this world up where obviously humans and animals can exist together. And it's like, well, we can't give the anteater spaghetti because that doesn't make any sense. And then yeah. nobody stops to think, why the hell have we gone with an anteater? Yeah. We could pick like any animal we wanted. Yeah, we could go with literally any animal. Also, you could just have a knife and fork. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very determined that we go with the anteater. Yeah. It's very important that we have like, an anteater. 
like he's an anteater, but the gag is he just eats like a normal person. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure there's more to it than that, but hey, that's what it was. Um, we go to Bellican's bar once again. A brilliant gag, yeah. When Bojack falls off his chair uh, as he decides he's going to go and speak to Diane, and he's a bit drunk. You'll notice in the background, Michael, there is a blind man and his guide dog who are sharing a beer together. (laughs) (laughs) But of course, his guide dog is a guide person, dog or dog person. Brilliant. Really good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Very well done. We go back to Mr. Peanut Butter's house, or across to Mr. Peanut Butter's house for the first time this episode. A few things here. There's a poster. There's a bunch of the other posters we've already mentioned from previous episodes. But a new one that someone walks in with is a poster that says, the time is now. California can't wait, which is a brilliant slogan for any campaign, which gets completely nullified by Mr. Peanut Butter later on when Bojack says he needs his help. And he just says, don't worry, Bojack, California can wait. (laughs) (laughs) So at least he might be having a, he might have found a better sign maker, but it seems like he's the one who's ruining the signs now. Also, he does say, Michael, and I may have nicked it, (laughs) <laughs> in a classic Mr. Peanut Butter fashion, he says, I'm ace of base right now because all that I want is another one of these babies, as he mentions the sign, before he then says to Bojack, who's too drunk to drive his car, why don't I make like Eddie Money and take you home tonight? Which Bojack, of course, mentions that it wouldn't work because Eddie Money isn't, <laughs> isn't, the, isn't the person who takes the person home. He's the person being taken home. I love the meta-ness of this. It's oh, so ridiculous. Brilliant. Almost like it doesn't make any sense from top to bottom. There we I go. Love could be so pissed and still pedantic. <laughs> <laughs> Only with peanut butter, though, it seems. Uh, yeah. Only with peanut butter. We go back across to Vim Management once again, and we get a great double durst joke here, Michael, <laughs> which I thought you might enjoy. Uh, which uh, Rudabega says, We are doing to this wedding what Rob Durst did to that lady and what Fred Durst did to his career. <laughs> which. You know, you can say whatever you want about Fred Durst. I guess that's your choice. But in in reference, of course, to the lead singer of Limp Bizkit, for anybody who somehow (laughs) is sitting there confused at this point. But Rob Durst, of course, as I have had to look up, because I (laughs) genuinely missed all this, uh, of course, (laughs) is is technically a murderer, Michael? Is a convicted murderer now? Or got away with murder is probably more accurate. It's one of the above, but it's... You know, it was it made for the subject of the jinx on HBO, which was well worth like ten, <laughs> ten episodes of delay in finding out, basically. Well, let me just play it safe then for, <laughs> for podcast horsemen and the liable. Uh, and we'll just say that according to Wikipedia, he is suspected of having murdered three people. Kathleen McCormack Durst, his first wife, who disappeared in New York. Susan Berman, who was a longtime friend of his, who disappeared or was killed in California in 2000. And his neighbour, Morris Black, who was killed in Texas in 2001. That's all that Wikipedia says, and I'm not going to go any further because I quite like this podcast. Yeah. He did it, allegedly. <laughs> he did it, allegedly. <laughs> he definitely did it, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there's also a few other bits that are going on in this in this office. Thankfully, no murders, allegedly. Um <laughs> Rudabega also shouts out at the top of his voice when he finds out that Meryl Streep is going to be retiring. He shouts, Mr. McGregor! Which, for anybody who's ever read the tales of Peter Rabbit, will know who Mr. McGregor is, but for you who may not have, he's an elderly Scottish horticulturist, Michael, who is intent upon keeping the rabbits out of his vegetable garden in the tale of Peter Rabbit. And occasionally, 
attempts to catch them and put them in a pie and eat them. So <laughs> the dark side of all children's novels, I guess. Might, might, I guess, come up with some sort of trap where he leaves something out that they have to bend over and then he traps them in a crate, perhaps. Yes, quite possibly. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't think who would try to seek and employ those tactics. But there you go. Um, interesting little tidbit here as well, Mike. I just thought I quite enjoyed. Princess Carolyn was just talking to uh, Rabinowitz about the weddings and um, Meryl Streep and all this sort of stuff. She there's a bunch of wedding cakes around them, and they've all got the ma- the husband and wife on top. And she's just talking, and she like subconsciously picks up the man from the wedding cake and just throws him away, and just moves the woman to the center of the cake. <laughs> um, it's a really cute little bit, but it kind of highlights to me exactly where Princess Carolyn is. Like I know she's obviously with Ralph and stuff, but as a strong mm. female character in the show, yeah, it just was quite a cute little bit right before they decide they're going to put Meryl Streep in literally everything. <laughs> really nice, really good stuff. And there's also a quick cutaway gag. Um, as we just before we land on Peanut Butter's roof, we go to the sky, and there's two birds who are flying through the sky. One of them is an old pelican who's just in like a sweater with like curly white hair, and I'm not sure if it's meant to be somebody. But it, but there is a hummingbird who's also following the pelican, a little hummingbird who's like flitting around, and that hummingbird is is dressed up in Todd's hoodie and hat. Oh, um, brilliant! They're both obviously uh, bird people. Um, but I love yeah. this gag, man. I love this yeah. gag. The Todd fashion gag continues yeah. as as his hoodie and hat appear in yet another episode. But I did say we land on Peanut Butter's roof, uh, and we now here's one for you. Diane's friend being called Roxy. I seem I'm I'm sure it's come before, but it made me go because I was like I can never remember what her name is, and I don't know if this is the first time we get given it. I think it's not. I think we might get it earlier on, but it's certainly the first time I remember it during this watch through mm. being audibly said. So I've written it down there. Maybe it's in an earlier episode where we get those flashbacks with her, mm. Dwayne, and um when they were all working at the buffet counter sort of thing. Yes, yeah, they're all working in Starbucks, yeah. aren't they? Blonde yeah. is what yes. Diane has Blonde, yeah. on her name tag. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was worth noting. But also, in terms of names, because we might as well do this while we're on, Todd's fake names are brilliant uh, as he tries to cover up the story. The first one he uses is Donarius McQuimberton. <laughs> <laughs> before he exits that conversation. And if you see it written down, you'll see what he's done as he walks away saying, you've given me and Darquimbertus McNarrington <laughs> a lot to think about. <laughs> Brilliant stuff, this. From, where was it, Diantus? From the real, absolutely not fake news or whatever he said. <laughs> Brilliant. And um, we go back to Princess Carolyn's office once again. She's having a celebratory drink with Rabinowitz. He's got a glass of champagne. She's got like a, I don't know, it's a spirit of some sort. And um, I just thought it was cute because she drinks it by licking it out of the out of the cup. Oh, she's good. a cat, Michael. I don't know yeah. if you know this. She's a cat. Very cute indeed. No milk, but she still licks it out of the I cup. I appreciate that. Back to Peanut Butter's house. And I just thought it was like a good commentary because, you know, the whole point of bringing fracking into this show is, of course, to show you that fracking is very bad and not mm. good. Um, that as we, you, we've we seen the guys who are working on Peanut Butter's house throughout, there's like a couple of builder blokes, but then there's this pelican, isn't there, who's there with the with the hard hat on and stuff. The pelican walks past the screen in the background while Todd is talking as we see the fracking is getting more progressive and is just absolutely covered from head to toe in oil, like <laughs> totally, like the worst you could possibly imagine. <laughs> as Todd sucks on a lollipop and just floats his legs in between <laughs> one of the fracking holes. Um, but I thought it was a great little quick commentary anyway. Um, and finally, 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 I like how I say this as, as though it's just going to be a casual thing. 
in Bojack's uh, internal monologue we pop into. Um, and I just a quick one I picked up uh, while he's doing a quick fire thing of all the people in his life. Todd is there in a weird sort of way. He's eat, he eats Bojack's, what looks like Bojack's severed head because uh, Todd puts it in his mouth. A Godfather reference, question mark? I don't know. A, a, a God, horse's head. God reference? Godfather. <laughs> the Todd father, who knows? Yeah. Uh, but, the, but most importantly, though, as he eats the horse head, he is then violently sick. And as the sick comes out, it's all jet black, which I would believe to be the Hollywood tar, Michael, that comes from the head of Bojack Horseman. On top of that, though, you'll also notice there's one where Beatrice is wheeling over his grave in the wheelchair. <laughs> A grave that reads Bo Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I think the implication is she dancing on it, isn't it? Like, it's the dancing way they move it. Like grave, the... Yeah, she's like, the animation's amazing, but she's <laughs> dancing in her wheelchair. It said Bo Jake, did you say? Bo Jake, it says. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, thing. that's so grim. That's brilliant. Oh, brilliant stuff. And the last little thing I've got, really, it just slides out of the monologue, but I've just written there how how kind of Weirdly heartbreaking, but understanding it is when Bojack finally tells Hollyhock another lie for the first time that we can remember by just saying, yeah, about the voice is going away. But apart from that, Michael, that is all of your hosting around this week. Not loads, because the animations take over a lot, and I don't think that was too much there. But there was a few things, Michael, and maybe there might have even been enough for one last thing, and then I swear to God we'll shut up about this podcast forever. I tell you what, I'll go first because I'm okay. here. I'm already here and I'm on a similar thread. I deliberately left one out of Bojack's internal monologue scene there at the end because it really was great is what it was. Loads of stuff going on, like loads of things firing off in there um, for people to, to dive into and digest, I would assume. But the one that really hit me the most was he's talking about how he's worried about getting passed on a hollyhock and all this stuff. And we see the great animation of hollyhock as she falls into a body of water from his perspective we see her floating away and then it flips around and we see Bojack looking down into the, the body of water from her perspective and it is obviously a carbon copy of the opening credits of Bojack falling into his swimming pool yes. and then we get the flip side and the, the roles are reversed and Hollyhock is of course Bojack in the pool Bojack is Diane and Peanut Butter looking down on what's happening and it's just so really well done this like it's stunning. A, stunning, stunning stuff. And the way they have the animation to sort of back it up, the deep red that comes with it as well is very, very specifically chosen. We get various different multicolor backgrounds throughout this, but the, the, the whole thing is just perfect, absolutely mm. perfect. And just another way that this show is better than the show you like, Michael Hopper. Indeed it is. I, mine's not as good as that, I've got to tell you. i got one last thing, but it's really. more accurately, <laughs> more accurately, would like probably best describe it as one first thing. Ooh. I loved, I loved the cookies monologue, and not just because it was very relatable content. Um, ah, <laughs> uh, breakfast. I don't deserve breakfast. Shut up. Um, feel sorry for yourself. Get breakfast, stupid fat ass. Uh, just the bollockings he's dishing out as he eats biscuit yeah. after biscuit after biscuit. Um, that train of thought that we're led to believe that Bojack boards every single day of his cursed life was the train he boarded the first time we met him, yeah. effectively. Bojack Hates the Troops, episode two. This exact thing happened. He ate muffins, and basically nothing was ever the same again in our world, in our shared life with Bojack. 
Yeah. And that is the first occurrence of it in this episode. It's the first thing he deals with every day. And it's the first thing we dealt with. Seeing how Bojack could infect the world around him, how the world around him could react to his decisions, how one seemingly small decision could be wrapped up in 20 massive ones. Um, and of course, the fact he's got a serious problem with food and the connection he draws with it. But yeah, that that's rooted in the the DNA of the show, the bones of what we come to know about Bojack. And as I say, the poison, the tar, the whatever, it started with them muffins, man. Like that was it. They were the one first thing. And we know now when he was eating those muffins, the whole box, just to spite Neil McBeal, the Navy SEAL, uh, we know what his head was saying as he was doing it. There is no joke to be found, Michael, in stealing a meal from Neil <laughs> McBeal, the Navy SEAL. They I'm, told glad, us, I'm glad you're not trying to trivialise that because I certainly wouldn't. No, they told us they told us <laughs> early on, and that was going to be a problem. And there's two other things that I like to go with that. Uh, one being a bit more of a lighthearted nature, just that he's got this appetite of a horse. Like, do you know what I mean? I, like he's he cannot be satiated ever, and that's like they use it so well throughout the show and how that ties into his personality and his whole life in general. But also just and something that. I, in particular, have definitely noticed more during lockdown uh, and during this period of the year 2020, which it is when we're recording this podcast, is just the massive strong tie and link between mental health and food, like in general, is huge. Like it's massive, Mm. like little, little insight, which you already know, but our listeners won't. Like I have used lockdown personally and I've tried to treat myself every now and again, like Mm. uh, Maybe with a takeaway or maybe with get get some food in that's just nice. That means I don't have to cook. That means I don't have to worry about it. I can just get it and it's here and delivered. Also do a bit of sort of help businesses around. But genuinely, I think without very food and the options to be able to get them, like I think this would have been a much bigger struggle for me personally than what it has. And I just think it's made me realise how much food is tied to mental health. And this episode, again, specifically this bit at the start is something we've all done I feel where you've just had that moment where if it's a breakfast or whatever where you know you're supposed to be making these correct adult choices mm-hmm. but Michael there's uh, something on the desk that <laughs> looks quite delicious and maybe we should eat that instead. There's a, a quick shout out to our, our what culture colleague and close friend very much uh, part of our kind of like our triple threat of the different things that we bring to the content of what culture Josh Brown we've talked at length before about food and mental health because we would do damage to multi-packs of crisps and shared experiences help. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he put it to me in a way that I've never heard. He's wise beyond his years, and I hate him for it. He put it to me that when the food's literally in your mouth, you can't then talk about why you've just jammed so much food in your mouth. That happens here. But Bojo doesn't need to talk because it's all happening in his head. And it's something that's always really stuck with me. I am bollocking myself as the next packet of crisps goes down. I'm just not saying it out loud. Because luckily, my mouth is full of crisps. And that little little cycle, I thought, is well hit upon here. Again, episode two with the muffins and here specifically. It's only small, but it again, it looks, this episode looks for those mental health markers. It looks to find one that anyone could relate to because we don't, at least I hope, certainly not, we all don't share Bojack's difficult past. But we'll we'll share something. We'll see something. There is relatable content. For everybody littered throughout this one. They give you some really great day-to-day stuff, don't they? Like mm. that, as you say, can be applied to so many different ones. That classic shot you've seen in every single film, TV show ever of the bathroom mirror. Uh, yeah. 
that's that's a day a day for everybody. Everybody mm-hmm. has that moment, and they just kind of illustrate it really well. But you're right, the food one is one that resonates and has been a through line throughout this whole goddamn show. And I'm sure, like one day, Michael, that horse will be Phil. <laughs> will be Phil. Will not Phil Chambers from what goes on top. <laughs> will be full, I should say. Um, but that is, of course. I think now all of the things we have to talk about in terms of this episode, we do have time though to just give some quick plugs here and there. If you like this episode or if you like this podcast or indeed you just want to talk yourself horse about talking horse some more and you want to get more content to do with either Bojack Horseman or Podcast Horseman, you can do just that. If you follow this podcast on Twitter or Instagram at Podcast Horseman, please do give us a like, share, follow, keep us in the conversation, especially your conversations as well. We want to hear all your thoughts about the show, the whole point we started this podcast for was because we didn't feel like enough people were talking about it and more people needed to know just how great it is and that's kind of been working. So please do continue to share this with your friends and if you would like some more on top of that, you can follow either of your hosts as well on Twitter or Instagram. You can follow me at It's Adam Nicholas and you can follow Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit. Um, you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can follow on Spotify. You can listen along on Amazon Music. You can subscribe on Acast. Uh, pretty much anywhere that does podcasts, you can find Podcast Horseman. Um, we'd love you to leave us a five-star review uh, through any of the apps that you can do that on. Uh, a few words, if they've got a little comments box, all that sort of stuff's really good. Could be nasty, could be nice, but the five stars are super helpful. They help us find other subscribers. They help us appear in charts. We've been frequenting the Apple Podcast Top 200 of TV and Film over the last few months that is a flex um and i'm very proud of that and it's because of these reviews and these ratings and these downloads that we're so so super grateful for that's happening so thank you very much for that and as we said at the start of the episode if you leave us a five-star review you stand a good chance of getting yourself a star on a hollywood talk of fame just like and i'm so sorry i'm going to butcher your name so i'm going to pronounce it three separate ways ikura nergal or it could be ikura nergal it could even be ikura nergal or maybe it's not even Nurgal and it's Nurgle, and I've dropped a hard A. I don't know, but thank you very much. Whichever combination of those names is yours. I really appreciate this feedback. I'm sorry I butchered your name. Hamlet's pretty stupid too. Uh, but we got from Ikura, <laughs> talking horse about a talking horse. The, the review reads as follows. A reflection on a reflection of a talking horse living in the horrible world of Hollywood. A companion piece, a review, a look into a show, spoiler free, that enlightens and enlightens. The podcast is wonderful from start to finish. Knowing the work from their wrestling podcasts and YouTube programming, I knew it was going to be good. But man, this podcast is must listen if you like Bojack Horseman or even if you've just seen the preview on Netflix and want to know what it's all about. Thank you so much. That's perfect. It's exactly, well, of course, the type of review we're looking for. It's an ego piece, but that's the exact sort of purpose of the podcast as well. Thank you very much. A star on the Hollywood Talk of Fame will be winging its way to you very soon. I will enjoy that and indulge in that as much as I would. A big box of Choco O's cookies, my <laughs> That'll see me for the rest of the week. And as you may have noticed, the, <laughs> the stars <laughs> have yet to come out. It's becoming too much of a recurring bit, this. It really is. I don't want it to be. <laughs> but one day, you'll all have stars <laughs> to look out on. I don't even want to like it anymore. I don't know when it's going to happen. It'll I was be... just going to say there was a proper Bojack and Hollyhock energy to that. Like, I wish <laughs> people could see it. <laughs> As I'm watching all the stars in my head fall to the bottom of the swimming pool while I look down <laughs> and watch them all disappear. Just picturing you, like, sitting in front of your computer on a Saturday morning, 
star template. It's something named. God damn, he's such a stupid piece of shit. He's such a fat sack of idiot, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As I'm eating another cookie, like, uh, <laughs> come on, one more cookie, one more bit of advent calendar, and then we'll we'll do it, honestly. Aye, oh, one day we'll get them. But anyway, enough about me. Let's quickly leave with some words from our friends over at Netflix, mm. Michael. We'll get the, ne- the synopsis for next week's episode, which will be season four, episode eight, which is called Underground. Michael. Mm. And its synopsis is as follows. Mr. Peanut Butter's posh campaign fundraiser takes a terrifying turn. As chaos swirls around them, Bojack and Diane get drunk. And as we know in this show, when Bojack gets drunk, only good things happen, Michael. (laughs) So we've got nothing to worry about at all. And a terrifying turn for Peanut Butter's posh campaign just also sounds like very, very (laughs) unproblematic. But if you want to find out what happens in that episode, well, I guess you're going to have to come back next week. Or, alternatively, you just go and watch the show and just don't listen to the podcast. It's up to you. The choice is yours. I'm not going to force you to do anything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you have it. One of us is free-spirited and the other one is Michael Hamford. Anyway. People can check the dates. I'm not going to say which came first, Bojack Horseman or Podcast Horseman. I'll leave that for people to find themselves. For all we know, this podcast came before the show and we're actually predicting what's going to happen in it, so before it's aired. <laughs> also, we're even better than the five-star reviews. So... <laughs> <laughs> Somebody might be listening to this and thinking, ah, this sounds like a really good show. Like, every podcast is just a treatment for it. How did they do this? This is incredible. <laughs> Absolutely sensational stuff. Anyway, we've rambled enough. Let these poor people rest their ears, Michael. Uh, how do we normally end this? Oh, yeah. I've been a stupid piece of shit. I've been a stupid piece of shit. And this has been a stupid piece of shit. <laughs> 
Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.